Welcome back, dear listeners, to the next episode of Grimlore, the lore podcast for all your Warhammer fantasy and Age of Sigmar needs. Hello again, everyone. This is your dwarven host and temporary bartender, Gerald, and I am with my co-host and friend, Rayway, the elven bard. He's going to teach me about the wonderful world of Warhammer fantasy. How you doing there? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm kind of happy that we're out of Age of Sigmar, which is an improvement, to say the least. You got that right, man. I never thought I'd be so indifferent, hyped, and raging all at the same time. Oh, it gets worse. Wait till I go over the end times. <laughs> oh, no. Let's save that for, like, our final, final episode. How about that? Um, I wasn't even including it as an episode option, but... <laughs> ah, darn it. I gave you the idea. Well, I shall, <laughs> I shall hang my head in shame and commit myself to penance. <laughs> Which is continuing to serve drinks. <laughs> yeah, fine by me. Well, I'm sitting. <laughs> oh, that would be a hell of a punishment, actually. Hey, if this is punishment, then count me in. I'm guilty as charged. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the uh, the tavern, though, there seems to be someone else who's joining us at our uh, our lovely tavern uh, tavern bar yeah. abode. I noticed some pirate flags out the window. Um, how did they get the ship here? Mm, must be one of our other doors. Okay then. Well, wait a second. Hey, I know that guy. He has elf ears. Clearly, he's my friend. All elves oh, know each sh- other, you know. Oh shit! Another one. Um, never mind. I don't know this guy. <laughs> oh, what? Well, he's a pointy-eared elf, all right. But oh my, he's got a glorious beard. Okay. Okay. Well, um, seems I've made it here. Um, are mooring fees always this expensive? Two hundred gold for a day—that is an entire course's salary for a month. Ah, well, I've invited the uh. Count's daughter, as a guest of honor aboard my Black Ark, until I can perhaps get a rebate. Um, This is a lovely... This is a quaint place you have here. Oh, thanks. I had the scaven build it themselves. Mm. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Lovely. Um, No doubt you have already heard of me, but as introductions are, of course, in order... I am the venerable Admiral Scalecock. It is a, it is your pleasure to make my acquaintance. Ah, uh, yes, I am familiar with the uh, the great cock lineage that you no doubt descend from. Are they as grand as they always are? Well, with a beard as glorious as his, it is definitely my pleasure to meet it. <clears throat> well, I see a twin soul in that regard in front of me, even if I have to look down slightly. Hey. <laughs> I resent that remark. <laughs> I resemble that remark. <laughs> That's great. Uh, happy, happy to see a another another of the uh, Assyrians' children in uh, in the tavern and part of our little growing community. Oh well, I mean, when one sends out such invites, do you not expect them to be uh, answered? I mean, he does have a point. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, now he's got a point there. As long as uh, you don't bring any plagues or uh, or not, a, and as long as you're not a very huggy Nurgle demon, I think we'll be okay. We don't no, want no, no, we no. don't want any more uh, Skaven bouncers to drop dead or bartenders. 
My ship is the Carrion Tide. It does not bring any disease with it, just a <laughs> surprising amount of blood. Anyway, um... <laughs> Good idea. Uh, I love this. Anything close to, uh, to, well, Malika is excellent, as he's definitely one of the, uh, the pinnacle and prolific elven, uh, individuals in history and one of the uh you know movers and shakers of elven society is in whole i think he speaks to uh an Aryan as the perfect heir to the phoenix throne don't you uh don't you agree fellow uh fellow elven compatriot um i'm oh, wait, glad you think of it guys? that way are you associated with Malachan? i i do a bit of here and there i make sure to pay tithe to Malekith, though we generally exist at arm's length. I well, try to stay as far away from Grond as elvenly possible. <laughs> well, hot damn, he's like the only elf I respect. Other, other than Rayway, of course. You know, you know, just... just he don't respect me. <laughs> as okay, your point right. with Malekith, I'm glad you see it as that. However, if only Assyrian saw it the same way... Maybe there'd yeah. be a lot less torture in Negaroth. <laughs> I mean, Assyrian has strange ways of testing individuals and bringing out the uh, the best and worst in them. So was the whole um, crispy thing the best or the worst? Well, given the fact that uh, Marathi is both his mom and lover, um, I think it might have been the best. I think I just threw up some of my ale. <laughs> oh, you know what? I actually heard a slave tell a joke. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Unpaid intern tell a joke, which uh, got him summarily... Ex <clears throat> sorry, uh, reprimanded for such things. It went along Probably the retired. Of... Yes, exactly. Retired. But the joke went something like this. Malekith had scheduled a meeting with his mother, his lover, and his tutor. At a local tavern. He arrives at the appointed time, walks in, and sits down at the table. He looks to the person in front of him. Ah, hello, Marathi. I hate that. <laughs> I despise this joke. You despise it because this happened yes. in our tavern. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that uh, many... Druki share the uh, similar opinion to you. Uh, I mean, hey, hey, hang on. If I bang Marathi, do I also get a big-ass black dragon? Because, I mean, I might be willing to make the sacrifice, guys. I'm just saying. I might be willing to make the sacrifice. <laughs> sure, if you don't mind the uh, Daemonettes ripping you to shreds before that, but uh, if you can make it through that, I'm sure she'd be willing to give you a very nice black dragon. <laughs> oh wait <laughs> I think you'd be far better off uh, I don't know petitioning Rakath for such things he's known for grabbing all manner of beasts that's actually a good point yeah, it's okay I was always more of a cafe guy myself I think I'll visit his I'll, I think I'll visit one of the dragons over there but before we uh, go visit uh, female dragons who are way too attractive for uh, any right being um, and dummy mommies who uh, take the word black dragon to mean um, a object that they place onto their bodies, 
we're gonna cover something else. <laughs> I swear, once an episode, we always have to bring some kind of slanesh and just like crazy going on in here, and then just all of yes and oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, Groomy, please help me. I see Cheryl like in the back rubbing a rubbing a medallion. <laughs> Sweet Bay Allah, forgive me for I have fallen for the likes of an Eldar maiden. What? <laughs> I mean you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> so are we ready for today's topic? Ooh, yes, yes. And pray tell, what that uh, what might that be, uh, Kindred? All right. Well, before we begin, we have to do the one minute recap on Gerald's end, and oh. I think we've had enough Elven talk for you know at least at least a good thirty seconds. People haven't heard the Elven have heard the Elven voice a little too much, so we'll give them you know a good thirty second break where they can hear Gerald, and then an extra thirty seconds to continue hearing his lovely voice. Are you patronizing oh. me? Oh no no no! I'm I'm being sent, I'm being I'm being legitimate. <laughs> that I nice seen as... that message about your voice. I disagree. I think it's fabulous. That was the nicest thing you've ever said about me. I feel a little <laughs> I feel a little dwarf tear coming out of my. Get back up in there. Oh, well, I've said a lot of great things about you, but it's the only good thing I've said to your face. Ha! <laughs> ah, so you do love me. Well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All okay. right, regardless, back to the recap. Recap in three, two, one, go. So the past couple of episodes, we were talking about the Lizardmen. Uh, the, the part one was basically about their formation by the old ones as like muscle because you have the Lizardmen, you have the Skinks, and you have the Slan. Um, they served as advisors and warriors for the old ones to basically wipe out Apex Predators. Blah, 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 blah. A lot of stuff happens. They fight Skaven. Sotek is green and great. Big snake guy. Anyways. So then comes the end times. And all the, all the uh, lizard men get wiped out. But they actually didn't. Because their pyramids are now spaceships for some strange stupid reason. So they go up into space. Where the ageless, immortal lizard men die of old age. What? Anyways... Slans still are still around, so they rebirth the Lizardmen into the Seraphon because GW was looking for an excuse to trademark some names. They meet up with a... Their crying has uh, led them to meet up with Dracothian, and now they're in Age of Sigmar. And mic drop. Yeah, yeah, I love that writing. I love I love the part where the immortals died of old age. Yeah. Good. Just because... Just, just plot reasons. Why, GW? Why? Yeah. Oh, my mouth is really dry. All that warp stone, you know. Okay, so you ready for this episode? Yes. Sure. I do believe so. Do you All right. Have any idea how difficult it was for me to actively avoid the uh, Patreon poll that you put up? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm pretty proud of it, actually. Um, I'm also gonna put this out. Uh, this is to Flub specifically. Flub, the rat voted wrong. Get him. Salzman, attack! <laughs> but he's our bouncer. All right. we gotta, now we have, we have to put out an ad for a replacement. <laughs> it's okay. Flub can be our bouncer. <laughs> Would you like, on my way out, you could tie him to the hole? I hear keel holing is a very popular form of uh, <clears throat> message sending nowadays. <laughs> 
I mean, with we the Skaven, give, I wouldn't be fucking surprised. We will give you the five worst performing Skaven bouncers, and then you can have your way with them. How about that? Um, my way, uh, perhaps <laughs> not, but I will absolutely uh, take them aboard. I am more than welcoming to anyone aboard my decks willing to come aboard, and those who aren't. <laughs> you see, X. He says in parentheses. You see, Exo, there are some people who are welcoming to Skaven, not just us. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start with a quote because this quote goes hard. This quote goes so hard. And I'm pretty sure once I say it, Gerald will understand um, what, uh, what this, uh, this episode is going to be about. You well, better I mean, do it in your Bricky voice. I mean, if we're, I mean, if we're gonna rip off in Ricky my... at this point, just just go ahead and do the quote. I don't, I don't even know Ricky's voice. I'm gonna be totally honest. <laughs> I don't even know his voice. <laughs> I've listened to him for like two years, and I still don't fucking know his voice. <laughs> it's okay. I don't either. <sighs> uh, it's uh, Ricky inter in impersonation. The blah. I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Please don't sue us, Adric. No, we actually love you. <laughs> we love you, Adric. Please get, please guest for us. Oh, that'd be really awesome. Yes. Sorry. Sidetracked. <laughs> the first. We're of great at this. All right, you ready for this quote? Go for it. Simple, fast, to the point. Shibuya's. Cetra does not serve. Cetra rules. Hmm. Are we talking about so, Tomb Kings? We are going to be talking about the Tomb Kings of Nakara. Heck as yeah! I, as I titled the uh, the poll, it's all one giant pyramid measuring contest. <laughs> Lovely. Oh man! I mean, when it comes to the gash, it, it, when it comes to the gash, it's literally a pyramid measuring contest. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they have something else to measure, so it has to be something. <laughs> I'm just hyper talking about the OG Necrons. Oh man, learn like relearning about the Team Kings because I learned I think what was the first faction. I think uh, Empire was the first faction I ever learned about when I first got into it. But then I got into the um, I think the Kings got my attention because they're you know spooky, scary skeletons. But you know as I relearned about them and I learned you know just what they are. Uh, I started to relearn. Oh wow, GW really has no originality. They literally just copied themselves. <laughs> I remember that. I believe in the, our messages. I believe the ancient <laughs> saying goes: "If it is not broken, do not fix it." Ah uh, yes, but um, in this case, GW decided to strip steel from themselves. <laughs> <laughs> After really they scary? killed themselves, they shot themselves in the leg, cut off the leg, and then used that same leg to repair themselves and keep walking. <laughs> Sounds like a good Tomb King to me. <laughs> so, so that's why you, want, why you wanted to I... ask Jack if he if he wanted to come on. Yes, yes, I wanted Jack on because I needed his lovely Australian accent. <laughs> also, poor, also poor. Australia. There's no Australian fantasy, is there? There's only the Southlands. Sad. I mean, I good because you know. Hmm. Imagine what Australia of the world Warhammer fantasy world would have been. Okay. Isn't that just the chaos wastes? Oh, you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Welcome to the touristy section of the chaos wastes. 
G'day, mate. I'm going to be your tour guide there. Oh, I'm sad now. Just I just realized that Zeech has demons that look like manta rays, and now I'm sad because we're making we're talking about Australia. Oh. I'm sad now. No. How dare you? You did this. Fool <laughs> this man! I am sorry. Oh, well. I could have made a, I could have made a really bad joke, but I chose not to. <laughs> I did it for you, and now I am ashamed. So, is the moral of the story while fighting the forces of Zinch not to wear khaki then, or...? <laughs> <laughs> fucking dying. Oh man. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I, I don't want to keep these jokes going because I'm going to hurt myself and make people mad. Okay. okay. Tomb Kings. Tomb Kings. Here we go. Oh. Oh, okay. I'm good. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm not going to make jokes. Okay. <laughs> If you have to remind yourself, you're a good person. Are you? <laughs> Absolutely. I remind myself every day. I remind myself every day when I'm torturing the slaves. No, no, no. I mean, every I'm morning, I'm woken up by the uh, pack of harpies uh, ripping a pot of... <clears throat> Sorry, uh, eating breakfast. And uh, <laughs> then beyond that, it's the uh, screaming of the unpaid interns as they are, uh, you know, shy away in their... Uh, Living quarters, uh, away from the witch elves, attempting to rip them through the bars. Why are you the way that you are? Yes, I am a good person. <laughs> I am a wonderful person. I serve Matthew and Cain well. Oh, oh no! All right, there, Adam. I love, I love, I love a, serving Cain. Uh... He's great. <laughs> All right, there, Admiral. Here's right. you a free red ale on the house, courtesy of some unpaid interns. <clears throat> Don't ask me what's in it. I'm just going through our I'm, I'm just going through our bartender stash, and apparently this is labeled. This was labeled for Drukies. Oh, mm. old family recipe. Eyeball pops it up. That was part the part of the old family. Has <laughs> um, hints of Nagarothi seawater and pain. Entirely on point. <laughs> oh, all right. Tomb Kings, Tomb Kings. Okay, so when we, I, I can't open the message app. I want to send, I want to send pictures, but I, I cannot. My phone is being stupid. How dare you? Fuck off. Hang on. What the fuck are you doing, stupid phone? Okay, regardless. You guys We're get not no barbarians. Pictures, we have technology. technology. You have yet to recite Cetra's thirty-two titles. That's where you failed. Ah, sorry. Forgive me, old great Cetra, for not uh, spending the. Two hours setting your titles in all their infinite grandeur. No worries. I've I've deemed myself with thirty three just to one up him. So we're all right. <laughs> I'm. <more> uh, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm not even mad at this point. I'm just impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even mad. So to begin with the Tomb Kings, the origin of the Tomb Kings, their history as you know, we've gone over with every every uh, race, every species. So the Tomb Kings were actually the first, I'd say first in like kind of on shaky water because it's unconfirmed if it was the the people of Cathay, the Cathayans, or the Nehakarans that were created first. Because um, remember you have the whole old ones either bringing humans to Earth, 
uplifting humans, bringing humans with them, or just making humans flat out on the planet. But basically, both of those um, factions, Cathay and uh, Nekarans, often compete with each other for who is the oldest civilization. Like, they're always like, oh, no, our species was first. Ours was first. Ours, our king is the oldest. You know, they have the whole competing... It, it's a dick measuring con. This is for, for sure... To, epitomize this episode this entire episode is going to be a dick measuring contest between everyone and this is the era where they still had them to measure i believe yes of course of course all right glorious. It, should speak, it should speak words that the fact that the nehekarans compete with you know the dragons dick measuring contest <laughs> regardless i'm gonna i am personally gonna say the nehekarans were the first civilization the Cathayans were second only because Nehakara exists in what is equivalent to fantasy Africa, and that's depending on your view of history where humans came from. So I'm just going to say that's where they were, humans were created. That's the, the origin point for humans. Now, like all the species, the elves, the dwarves, the ogres, all the species that were created by the old ones, or uplifted in some cases, um, they were given varying degrees of um, oversight and guidance. The elves got the most, dwarves got second most, um, the humans got the least, and the ogres barely got any. <laughs> um, and th- what happens is that as the old ones get more involved in the species development, um, they typically get less influenced by their gods. So, for example, the elves were mostly influenced by the uh, by the old ones, and then secondarily by their gods. The dwarves were equal parts, more or less, because they were the second one made, and the humans basically were guided solely by their gods. Specifically, the Nehekarans, like I said, who were who grew up, who were uplifted. How you want to view them in what is effectively um, Warhammer Fantasy's version of Africa, and they grew up in what would be considered Araby or the land of the dead, which is basically just a massive expanse of desert, and that's where the human race would develop, where they were settled by the old ones, and where they were actually guided by their gods. Because um, unlike most human civilizations, almost none of them claim that their gods created humans, or rather, almost not, no gods from human civilizations claim to have ownership of humanity as their creators. The only ones that do are some of the Cathayan, well, depending on if you want to be the Dragon Emperor, and uh, his, his, you know, his view over the Cathayans. But the Nehakarans specifically, they claim to be the creators, the guiders, the the gods of the human race. So wait, so for my clarification, the, the Nehakarans claim to be the uh, claim to be that, correct? Uh, the Nehakaran gods claim to be the gods of humanity as a whole. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like for example, Sigmar, he's a god, but he doesn't claim to be the creator of humans, because he knows he's not. Even Ulrich doesn't claim to be the creator of, of humans, but the Nehakaran gods do claim to be the creators of humans. Okay, that makes sense. I'm yeah, not sure how much uh, you can trust a god with an animal's head. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did take human forms sometimes. Take uh, that Egyptian mythology. I mean, uh, you know, I don't don't look up Egyptian mythology, especially if like three o'clock in the morning, because you're gonna be like, "What the fuck? Why are that they is... in the Nile River?" 
that is a rabbit hole we refuse to go down. <laughs> yeah, although you kind of have to go down if you're going to do research on that car because, you know, big inspirations. Mm. Um, well, true, but we will. Being. True, but like we will do a Slanesh video or yeah, Slanesh episode before we try to delve into Egyptian mythology. I mean, core points to find a difference between these two pictures. They're the same picture. <laughs> okay, so among the gods, the primary god of the Nakaran pantheon is Petra, P T R A. And he is, if you couldn't guess, they are raw equivalent. <laughs> and then you have what's his name? Dahaj. De- Dahaj. He's basically their version of Anubis. Oh, I got. Hold on, wait, da- wait. I got. I got to get this out of my system. By the power of Ra. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but yeah, you have Petra, Dahajif, Dajif. He's ba- he's he's basically Anubis, but he's he's kind of like, well, he's kind of like Anubis combined with um, what's his name, Mount Horus, the one who kills Horus. Um, I believe that was the Emperor. Wrong <laughs> 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 <Run> franchise. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> but regardless, um, yeah, they have you know they have Egyptian mythology. You can kind, of, kind of view it as. Oh, if there's a, an Egyptian god, there should be an equivalent for Nekar. Like Basset is, um, Bath, Bast, Bast. You know, it's best. Very clearly, it's yeah, it's very clearly inspirations. So these Nekaran gods. What's actually really interesting is that they did have like our our lovely scale cock mentioned. They did have animal heads or animal features, but they did often take on human shape or human like full on human appearances. And the Nakaran gods, while the old ones were busy trying to d- develop the world and make sure they were prepared for the invasion of chaos, the Nakaran gods actually had massive influence over the Nakarans and actually taught them how to read, write, culture, and a bunch of other different um, aspects, including how to worship them, obviously. But besides the point, they taught them a bunch of different things that they would actually need to survive. And it was actually... Um, through them, that many of the Nakaran first settlements was built. So you have to imagine the first Nakarans like cavemen almost. They were very primitive and very almost backwards. But the Nakarans were able to briefly kind of temporarily kind of educate them just a little bit, you know, give them a couple hundred years of advancement really fast, you know, just a little little boost. Um, and they actually were involved. But this is where some of the um, theories start to come in. Because if you remember, I mentioned the theory of them migrating. Um, the Nekaran guards aren't described as being any greater than, like, they don't look different from humans, is basically what it's described. Like, they aren't, like, 10 feet tall, like the Emperor. They aren't, like, aside from the animal features that they sometimes wear, they are no different from humans. So, you could almost view, so this is where some of the theories of them being, like, settlers from, like, a more advanced civilization come in. Like oh maybe the helmet maybe the ma- the the animal faces that they wear are like helmets or ceremonial headdresses or something that over the years were like adopted to become like oh it's their actual heads you know it's there's space for interpretation on what the Nekarn gods were okay like I said from the fact they could have been actual just regular humans or they could have been straight up old ones <laughs> because. 
like I said, Patra is the uh, sun god, the equivalent to Ra. And it was said that Patra had a chariot, similar to Ra, that pulled the sun. And <laughs> some theories, and some people, myself included, kind of view the idea of moving the sun as very similar to what the old ones did when they moved the planet closer to the sun. So you can almost view, you know, moving a planet closer to the sun from the perspective of someone on the planet as the sun getting closer. You know, you could easily you could easily mix up, especially if it's a primitive civilization. Now you make a compelling argument there, but I do have to ask this question. Yes. How do you how do you go from Canadian Kermit the Frogs to basically look, looking like normal humans? If, given what we know about how the old ones look, how do you translate that to them essentially looking like humans with maybe animalistic features? Well, that's where some of the theories come in. Some of them are just simple, like polymorph. Like they take the appearance of um, humans to better blend in and educate. Like you know, you're not going to go to the humans as a giant toad monster thing and be like. Yes, this is how you read and write because it could be totally different how you how the human would view it. Do as um, I say. Other ways, I swear I'm going to smash your skull with my with my hockey stick scepter. <laughs> Others actually view it as this one. I don't like this is one of the theories I don't like that the old ones were just humans. You know, it's kind of pulling a the original forerunners Halo thing that forerunners originally were humans kind of thing for Halo, where it's like, oh, the old ones were just really advanced humans. That one I'm not the biggest fan of because it doesn't make sense why they made the lizard men. Yeah, and the forerunner um, thing is, uh, well, we'll cover that when we get to the Halo stuff. But anyways, yeah, but yeah. So overall, that was those are the theories. I kind of like the idea that they might, that that humans just kind of mistake some of the old ones as their gods because I still like the idea that the gods were settlers from another world, but that humans just kind of combined the two or conflated the two. That makes a lot more humans sense to me. humans are dumb. Yeah, that kind of makes a lot more sense to me. It's like, well, to take it back to Egyptian mythology, it's just like you had your gods, like, well, okay, Anubis, for example, he's the jackal-headed god. He had they he had his human form, which has the jackal head, but then he has his animal form, which is the, you know just a straight-up black jackal. So that makes more sense to me that they could, the humans could have just conflated old ones with, like, their gods, so that's why you go from green toad men to uh, basically human, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, I'll be entirely honest. If somebody started walking around and started shooting lasers from their fingertips, I'd be convinced to worship them too. <laughs> he makes a valid point. I mean, it's like that Rick and Morty episode where giant heads come to Earth and they start affecting the weather, and everyone's praying in church. And there's that one guy who's like, you know what? I am not praying to a god who's not going to answer me. I'm going to go my hand. I'm going to go on my knees outside and pray to the giant heads that's controlling the weather. Peace out. And he just walks out of church. Show me what you got. And it's just like, you know, he makes compelling points. Like, if we pray to that, at least we're going to get an answer, right? And that's how chaos works. <laughs> I mean, chaos is coming up actually right away. Oh, um, especially with uh, especially with the uh, aspect on worship like that. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so to, to do a little bit more, just kind of set dressing, um, you know, to kind of just set the scene. Um, one of the main principal features of Nehekara, of the Nehekaran Desert, 
was well it's called the river it used to be called the river vitae but it was later renamed the river mortis uh you guys i'll let you guys ponder on that for like you know a good minute on why a river called vitae suddenly changed his name to mortis and you know pretty good idea (laughs) yes luckily it doesn't happen right away lack of tourism (laughs) i mean (laughs) i believe it this place used to be so popular and beautiful and now it's full of tourists who are wearing our culture as merchandise i love this I have plenty of uh, Nehekaran artifacts in my hold. I like them quite a bit. Fine. As long as it's not a funny hat, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, the River Vitae was the... It was based in the Nile. But again, ima- this is warmer fantasy. The planet's bigger than Earth. So imagine if the Nile River was twice as long, twice as thick, and twice as deep. And I know exactly what I was fucking saying. You did that on purpose, didn't you, Ray? Oh, 100%. I was I was fucking laying in bed last night thinking about this exact line. <laughs> I am oh. fucking hilarious. <laughs> he made it. Bed thinking about how deep it is. Shame on you. Uh, Everyone laugh. He made a funny. <laughs> well, now it's not funny when you say it is. <laughs> uh, but, yes. The River Vitae, this beautiful uh, river of, you know, it was a lifeblood of Nekaran culture. And people, you know, you'd use it to ferry travelers. The gods would walk, acro- would walk across it. You know, it was the whole, you know, typical Egyptian mythology, history kind of thing going on. Until, uh, you know, chaos arrived. Because, like I, said, like I said before, numerous times before, chaos gates were on the planet. Not chaos gates, warp gates. Or on the poles of the planet until chaos decided to invade uh, from the north and south poles and began invading everything. Now, Gerald, what happened to uh, when chaos invaded? What happened to all the species on the planet? Um, the old ones decided to go out and get milk and never come back. I'm still waiting on that two percent, by the way. <laughs> Humans, uh, a lot of them decided to worship chaos because it was the option to do that or die. And dwarves kind of just dug a hole and stayed there. And elves, I can't believe I'm going to say this. They saved the world with the winds of magic. You're welcome. We outdid the dwarves in digging a big hole. However, this one was into space time. (laughs) Uh, And it was in the air. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. So. Now, you mentioned humans falling to the worship of chaos, yes? Because, you know, it was either that or die? Mm-hmm. Well, some humans chose not to worship chaos because they were already worshiping God, the Nekaran God specifically. So, the people that lived... Well, humans did spread out from Nekara eventually. The majority of the human population was in the region that is the land of the dead, the Nekaran region. And because of that... They worshipped um, their they worshipped the their gods and their current gods who themselves actually viewed humanity both as like well one that's their worshippers but they also began to view them as children to a, to an extent as in like oh we must protect them some some didn't protect humanity some just wanted fucking violence but you know I'm not I'm not one to judge they fought chaos so yeah fantasy pantheons um, it's a mixed bag yeah yeah. Um, so the Nekaran gods actually started to fight chaos 
And it was actually because of the Nekaran gods that the region that was Nekara was able to form because they actually kept chaos out of that region. So while chaos was invading the entire planet, and, you know, the lizard men were fighting, the, the elves were fighting, dwarves were hiding, the ogres were wandering, and all these other civilizations were fighting, and, like, you know, struggling to survive or fall into chaos, uh, the Nekarans were like, oh, look, demons. All right, back to uh, back to gardening, back to farming, and then it, you know, it, I'm not I'm exaggerating a little bit, but when everyone else is like pure victory after pure victory, and then these guys over here are just like, oh yeah, it was a close victory to a total success. You know, it's kind of, it's not really fair. Total imperial victory. <laughs> oh wait, wrong franchise. What's that? What's that? Thirty million Skaven dead. <laughs> Average Skaven W. <laughs> Remember, violence is never the answer. It's a question, and the answer is yes. <laughs> is three a lot? That depends on the context. Dead bodies? Yes. War crimes? Definitely. <laughs> um, the Nakarans. I, I made the joke with I made the joke with the lizard man. I'm make it a fucking again. So while the world so while everyone else is being invaded by chaos. Nehakara and their gods began counter-invading chaos. <laughs> Which is such a funny image to imagine. It's like, oh, Nehakara's under attack. No, it's not. You guys are under attack. I was going to say, I like this brand of human because the Norskins, fucking basic bitches that just said, okay, we'll worship you. We'll skin our fifth goat and then hunt down our second wife. <laughs> I mean, they got power armor and flaming swords. So, I mean... <laughs> But the he- but the Nehekarans just said "fuck you" <laughs> and kept on <laughs> yeah, kept on counter invading. Well, I mean, there are some legends from this time, and one of them claims that Petra rode his chariot across a battlefield and incinerated every single demon that like it rode under, and then behind him were an army of humans on horseback or in chair or not on horseback in in their chariots. So. <laughs> If you have a guy who's leading the charge and it's incinerating everything underneath and around him, and you have an army of, like, your cavalry charging at you. uh... Wait a second, wait a second. I'm connecting some dots here. I'm probably doing it very wrong, but isn't this around the same time frame as Lord Croak when he created a son to incinerate demons? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. (laughs) You can see the whole. Wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. That sounds like an old one. Or not an old one. It sounds like a lizard man slash old one. Hey, 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 wait a second. <laughs> Life uh, finds a way. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, the uh, now, the, what I just described, Batra leading in charge with humans behind him, is actually correct. Because while the old one, while uh, Chaos was invading and the gods were defending humans. They both defended humans directly and indirectly. So what I mean was the gods would actually fight and defend human settlements from demonic attack, but they would also um, protect them indirectly. You know, teach them how to build walls, how to build towers, how to build um, fortresses, castles, some form of defense. They taught them very primitive, very limited magic that was basically divine in nature, which means that while everyone else was drawing power from the winds of magic or from chaos directly, um, Nekaran sorcerers could actually draw power from the gods themselves as a form of divine intervention in a way. 
Mm, okay. Yes, it was limited though. It was very limited, kind of ritualistic, and it was very like you know runes, you know, kind of things like that. But regardless, they taught them indirectly that way, taught them magic, but they also taught them how to make war. So, like I said, with Petra leading the charge on his on his son chariot, you had an army of of other charioteers behind him. And that's because they they learned how to use chariots and other forms of traditional warfare from their gods. So while one god, like, I think it's Dajaj, Dajaf, uh, while he's, like, leading the tribe with his, like, swords, humans would follow behind him with their swords. They would mimic and copy their gods, and that's how they learned to make war. And that's what made them so brutally efficient at fighting off chaos. So it's like a but, so it's like a strength faith build from Dark Souls that actually works versus the <laughs> sorcery build and the py- or the pyromancy build from from the Winds of Magic and Chaos respectively. Yes. Okay. This right. gets terribly confusing when one of them trips on a rock. Oh, <laughs> each other. One of them trips. All of a sudden, it's a domino effect. <laughs> I've actually always wanted to see that. I've always wanted to see like a cavalry charge and see one of the horse fall in the gopher hole and see the resulting like chaos that follows. <laughs> like I've always wanted to see that in like real life. I've always wanted to like go back in time to like where the wings of stars are and just like like dig like a hundred like one inch by one inch holes that are like uh or that are like a one inch thick and then like I don't know a meter deep. And just watching the horses just run and just, oh no, one fell over. Oh, domino effect. Oh, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the world's uh. clothesline. <laughs> uh, all right. So, do that when uh, when Gandalf and the Rohirrim are charging to defend. Uh, <laughs> to defend. Uh, oh, fuck. Which one, are they atta- which one are they defending again? Helm's whatever deep? the second, whatever the fourth and second movie is. Yeah, Helm's Deep. Yeah, Helm's Deep. One of the orcs digs a hole beforehand, so as Gandalf's charging, he just fucking face plants with his horse. <laughs> the first men to uh, reach over castle walls without a catapult. <laughs> Who'd have thought uh, what it took was a bunch of dead bodies? I mean, you can, no matter what, you can always use bodies to climb to the top. So... I've mentioned before, the elves managed to save the world with, uh, thanks to Lord Croak, you know, holding the line, burning himself, yeah, burning himself alive. <laughs> so when chaos receded, the Necron gods remained around, and they would actually continue to lead humanity after. But what's super funny is that while everyone else was, you know, like, recovering from World War One, or rather, reco- no, better analogy, while everyone else was recovering from World War Two. The Nakarans were already in the 1950s. All right, so they had a leg up already. Yeah. Vacuum I mean... tubes and a fear of communism. Understood. <laughs> 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 oh, darn. Those, those darn uh, uh, Uthwan nationalists. <laughs> Uthwan nationalists. Swipe left. Ah. Uh. Not gonna lie, and that meme, if she didn't, if her teeth looked better and her hair wasn't as messy and there was no kid involved that looked like fucking Bakasura from fucking Mortal Kombat, then totally. Because, like, yes, minus the teeth and the hair (laughs) and the Bakasura, oh, whatever, the, yeah, 
Is that what it is? Melina is the female. But you're talking. You're talking about Baraka. Yeah. You yeah, mean was, the Rakatans. Right, those dudes. I was right. thinking of fucking. No, uh, no, no, no. no Rakatans is Star Wars. Tarkatans, Tarkatans. There we go. That's same difference. They all sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> they all can work on a black ship at the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. You're starting to understand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I may be an Uthman nationalist, but over here we got Negaroth nationalist. <laughs> I'm just a dwarf serving uh, drinks, don't mind me. Remember, <laughs> the ocean counts as international waters, therefore no <laughs> laws apply. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> That's what I'm still... All right. So, like I said, Nekara, they, they make it through this. And for the next couple centuries, uh, their gods slowly disappear. How? It's never said. Did they go out to get milk, too? Um, I don't know, probably. No, not milk. Smokes. Are you kidding? They wouldn't belittle themselves with milk. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking for the best elven pipe weed. <laughs> so, this eventually led without the, without their gods, you know, interventions, or without their gods being... I don't want to say interventions. Their gods just weren't present in their everyday. Like, you know, the gods didn't walk among them anymore. They stopped walking among them. And this actually eventually led to the civilization of Nakara slowly becoming divided. And eventually what was a united grand civilization slowly started to separate. Cities started to branch off. It was never like, oh, I'm seceding. It was more like, oh, I'm becoming more and more independent until eventually I'm kind of not talking to you as much as I used to and then I'm not talking to you at all. And this was one city, two cities, three. It happened, continue, it happened over time, over centuries, over... I think it was thousands of years, actually. And then but the they next thing you know, kind of broke... throwing tea into a harbor. Well, <laughs> it wasn't tea. It was more like bodies. <laughs> it tastes pretty similar. Be brewed right. Water's water. <laughs> yeah, like I said, they all eventually kind of became they became divided, but they were still unified. In other, they were basically the empire of man, but better held together. And while each of these city states were divided, they did wage war against each other. None of them kind of, like they, they none of them were willing to like go to full out war. There was battles and skirmishes, but it was never like, oh, my city state's attacking your city state. They were all there was all the battles were kind of off centered, kind of not official. And the reason why was because while they were all divided, they all respected and kind of cowered before the uh, city of Kemri, which was the capital of Nehekara. And the reason why it was a capital was because it was where the gods were and it had the biggest armies. And the biggest pyramid. Ah, yes, but that, that didn't happen yet. Ah, ah okay. And, and if anything, the, the pyramid was kind of trivial, trivial given the fact that it was made out of only the purest, cleanest white marble. Not pure gold or warp stone. <laughs> There's a Mr. Clean joke in there somewhere. <laughs> so... Basically, was if any of these individual city states like rose up or became too big for their britches or you know actually tried to go to war with another one, Kemri would kind of you know flex its muscles and it would kind of be like, Hey, everyone, we're all getting up on this guy because he needs to be put in his place if they need to totally destroy him. Or it was just, Hey, I'm, I'm just gonna wipe you out, like, I'm not gonna wipe you out, I'm gonna press you into submission, but you know, I'll let you recover and then you know, you can know your place. 
But if you're not going to, you know, listen to Kemri and, you know, the the Pharaoh who look not Pharaoh, they're not called Pharaohs. That's that's too real world. They wouldn't call him something real. No, they would call him something stupid like Lich Priest. I'm joking. <laughs> Lich Priest is actually really cool. Um, Lich Priest actually does sound kind of cool. Yeah, it's really fucking cool. <laughs> you so, have to worry there's going to be some kind of corny knockoff that uh, that would have led to the Necron Ferrons, but I'm but yeah. I'm glad you didn't. No, no. Th- this was the time when GW had creativity. Ten thousand cans of silver spray paint later. It will bask in the glory ah, okay. of all that is chrome. I mean, they are the user of paint. <laughs> okay, so you know the three states were all divided; they were kind of separated. Things were kind of, eh. They weren't great until. The guy who had the biggest, the girthiest, the most massive act walked onto scene. And his name was Cetra, baby. The man, the myth, the legend. Oh, hang on. Give me two seconds. Give me, give me two seconds. Okay, just let me, uh, let me just, all right. So, correction. He is not the man, the myth, the legend. How dare you? He is the imperishable, the high king, the Kimraka, the great king, the great king of Nekara, the king of kings, the opener of the way, the wielder of the divine flame, the punisher of nomads, the great unifier, the commander of the golden legion, sacred of appearance, bringer of light, father of hawks, builder of cities, protector of the two worlds, keeper of the hours, chosen of Tra, high, high steward of the horizon, sailor of the great Vitae, sentinel of the two realms, the undisputed, begetter of the begets, scour of the faithless, carrion feeder, the first of the charnel way, raider of the sacred chariots, vanquisher of vermin, champion of death, or, <laughs> mighty lion of the infinite desert, emperor of the shifting sands, he who holds the specter, great hawk of the heavens, arch sultan of Alatan, waker of <laughs> hero titan, monarch of the sky, Oh god, it keeps going. <sighs> Majestic Emperor of the Shifting Sands, the champion of the Desert Gods, Breaker of the Ogre Clans, Builder of the Great Pyramid, Terror of the Living, Master of the Never Ending Horizon. You know what? I'm done. I'm done. I can't keep this up. And for all those titles, still doesn't have an idea Oh god, I mean. He, he actually might be an AOS. There's a uh, there's a Stormcast. I can't remember what it's called. Um, Satros? Satros? Um, something. Something cannot, like like Cetra, but it's not Cetra. It cannot be him because Cetra does not serve. Cetra does not serve. Oh, sorry. I kind of dozed off there when you're naming his titles. Anyways. <laughs> He does not and serve. He, he would does have not been serve. Slaughtered. Ooh, you better believe that's a bad one. <laughs> Everyone has to be president when Cetra's titles are being being spoken. And if you make a mistake, or you are not present or or awake to hear it, you will instantly be killed. I'm already and a head shorter than over. I need to be. So Cetra, when he was born, he was great. Well, I mean, he was kind of great. He wasn't the greatest yet. He was still a child. Um, until he became a man. <laughs> a man's man. There's, 
man's man, a real man's man. Um, come in so, Cetra, steel chair. Cetra was born at a very young age. <laughs> so, um, Cetra would be would grow up to become a fine warrior, the, one of the greatest generals of, well, the greatest general actually of his time. Um, and was basically like undisputed in terms of his ability. And he would actually go on to take a wife and and actually sire several children. But the thing is, though, is that during this time of his rule, during his you know up during his reign as the current tomb king of of Kemri and the you know the father and husband to a, a beautiful wife and family, he actually noticed that the region was actually plagued. Well, it wasn't just the region; it was a good portion of the uh, like. It wasn't just Nakara; it was like everything around it even extend like extended far beyond that was full of plagues droughts extreme shifts in weather like it could be dr- you you could have floods followed by intense droughts you could have plagues famines you could have all these horrible things that were happening and obviously they weren't like one after another they were spaced out but they were close enough to get each one kind of bled into the other and just kind of Made thing made the already really, the already um unstable political situation of Nekar even more unstable, and drove people more and more to fighting and more and more infighting in civil war, and Cetra actually considered that the reason why all these horrible things might be happening is because the gods weren't being worshipped, and be, and that was because Cetra started to notice that everyone because like, he was already he was super devoted to the to the to the cults of Nekara. And he actually started to notice that over time, what he believed anyway, and this actually did happen, people sought worshipping the gods out of devotion, and it simply became tradition. It, you didn't worship the gods because you believed in them. You worshipped them because it was just the way things were. It wasn't, you didn't actually believe in them, you didn't actually have faith in them, you just did it because you, everyone else did it for the last hundred years. There was no meaning beyond, there was nothing beyond that than just to do it. And Setra realized that these people weren't devoted. They weren't actual believers, and none of the previous um, tomb kings before him were devoted. They weren't truly devote, devoted to the gods. So Cetra decided to prove his worth, to prove his metal, to prove his devotion to the gods, to perform a ritual for the gods that would prove his devotion unlike any other, that would cement him to them. And that involved killing his wife and children. What? To... Uh, Yep, he sacrificed his wife and children. Um, I think it was actually in the River Vitae itself. Okay. Now, you may be wondering, what? Yes? Um, if my reaction was any indication, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Average so, Drukey wedding. Average Drukey. A Drukey wedding with, a, with at least six murders is a dull affair. Quite. <laughs> So, um, I've been to a few, actually. <laughs> some are even my own. Well, I was going to say, I'm surprised you're still standing. Sometimes the groom is still uh, engaged in previous arrangements. I mean, the question answers itself. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, so Cetra sacrificing his wife and children. And the reason why was he killed the love of his life. His, like, his wife wasn't just like, oh, it's a polygamy. No, she, he loved her. So it was to kill the love of his life, to prove to the gods that I re- that I am more devoted to you than I am the person I love the most. Okay, I mean, it tracks. It doesn't make sense, but it tracks. 
But why do you have to kill his kids? Right? I mean, with that kind of logic. No heirs. He's going to prove his devotion by cementing that no one will succeed him. That his line stops at him. Basically, I am so devoted to you that no one should carry my name. That no one should continue. That it, that my line should end with me. The most devoted of my line. Of my family line. Does it establish like how many kids he has sired at this point? Um, I think it was three, four? It was a it was a decent amount, I think. Oh, psh, rookie numbers. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you I look mean at rookie numbers. When when you look at Ramesses the first, oh for a hundred kids. Come on, come on. Or Genghis Khan. <laughs> or Genghis Khan. Oh lord. Well, he only had one wife. Come on now, don't put that much strain on the poor woman. Oh yeah, you're right. You only had one wife. That's right. We can't. Right. You only had one wife. Right. Sorry. You can't have kids if you only have you can't have that many kids if you have one wife, right? Takes uh, time. That's fair. Takes time. Mm, I am not finding anything for how many kids he had. Um, um, after this, zero question. Well, answers. I guess it's all now. Point now. <laughs> <laughs> However, I should mention after he killed his kids, after he killed his wife and kids, the river Vitae flooded. Like, it instantly flooded. Like, the water rose noticeably. And the plagues ended. The droughts obviously ended because of the flood. And the famine actually... And because of the floods, the famine stopped. Because, you know, if you guys know about Egyptian history, you know that when the Nile floods, it's it's a surplus of food, of growth, and, and you know, you know life. So, you know, the Nekarn gods, they're thankful, etc., obviously. <laughs> to further cement this, once his his city say once Kemri grew because of the because of the river Vitae flooding and all the growth and Setra himself proving his devotion, he actually expanded the military even great like the like Kemri's military was already the biggest out of all the out of all the city states. It enormously exploded with Setra, you know, becoming in charge of it and and militarizing it to a fucking T. Like while Setra is an Egyptian pharaoh. I'd say he's more inspired by Alexander the Great in what he did when it came to reorganizing the military of Henry and of the Nekara. And to similar to Alexander the Great, to prove himself, he actually began going to each of the city-states and demanding subjugation or tribute or, you know, alliance. And even those that were already loyal, the ones that, you know, were the troublemakers, he still went to them with his full army to, you know, make sure they were loyal and to make sure that they offered tribute and especially added their soldiers to his ranks. To be fair to the Alexander the Great uh, comparison, he did conquer Egypt and set up a dynasty that led up to Cleopatra, so it still kind of counts. <laughs> yes. So this is what Century began to do, began conquering each of the city-states. You know, he was basically making sure they were all in line. And once they were all fully unified, that's when Cetra... Well, Cetra had his own little great crusade going on. <laughs> now, remember I said Alexander the Great, you know, was a good comparison? Um, yeah, how much... Alexander of the Great, but okay. <laughs> um, how much land did Alexander the Great, like, conquer, technically? Okay. Are we talking in ancient world terms or like real world terms? Well, in ancient world terms. 
he had effectively conquered the known world at that point, according to you know the the historians, which was like okay, Greece, Egypt, and the Middle East up until like India. Okay, now how much land do you think Cetra conquered? Yes. Apparently, uh, well, not apparently. Cetra's name was known as far as halfway across the world. That's a lot of land. And remember, twice the size of Earth. That's what I'm saying. That's a lot of land. It's also implied that the reason humans are in the old world, you know, Europe, is because those were people from Cetra's invasions going upwards. That he actually established the first colonies in Lustria. You know where the lizard men are? <laughs> How did the lizard men let that go? Well, they didn't, but. A lot of pointy sticks. He gave the old college a try. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, just, just, you know, cement how fucking much land. Well, I shouldn't say. He was known halfway across the world. But he didn't actually conquer half of the world. He actually stopped at the World Edge Mountains, which is, well, I mean, it, it goes all the way. It would be, it would go all the way from like, what would be fantasy, I don't know, Russia, all the way down to like across the Middle East, on the other side of the Middle East. But, I mean, it's a giant fucking mountain pass. So, what are you going to do? So, that's where Cetra draws the line. And it's actually when he reaches those mountains, when he conquers basically everything from. Fantasy Greenland all the way to Fantasy South Africa and invade some of Lustria Nagroth and actually I mean okay he invaded Uthwan that must have been a huge blow to your pride there well I mean not okay (laughs) oh god uh uh Okay, remember how I said the elves and the dwarves had a had a small little campaign of genocide against the humans? Yes. Because we you know, did. chaos and shit. Yes, we did. Um good times they were. Nekara was the only ones they couldn't genocide because oh, yeah, you of did how skilled that. Yeah. So you know their armies the combined armies of dwarves and elves couldn't stop Cetras. <laughs> For a bunch so, of weak little humans, that's impressive. Yeah. He didn't like. He didn't claim anything with one. He he attacked it and invaded, but he never like settled it. But I mean, like, he still fucking attacked Uthwan. Can you blame him for not staying? I can't. Well, Malekith left. Uh, he went there and he realized, oh wait, this is a giant, this is a giant donut. I don't want this land. Oh wait a second, elves live here. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, he he did also fuck up some of the dwarves, but I think he was the only one who actually didn't. Give the dwarves a warp effect, actually, because he actually didn't like wipe them out and do a, an insane amount of damage to them. He just fought them when they fought him. So you can't build a thousand foot tall statues inside of a cave. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Citra wouldn't allow his beautiful statues to be hidden underground of all places. That deserves an execution. Ooh, you better believe that's a bad one. Exactly. Now. <laughs> Remember how I said he conquered all this land? He was, you know, known and feared halfway across the world? Yes. Cetra was 40 years old when he did this. Well, then. 
He was 40 and, he, and half the world feared him. And that is not okay. <laughs> Start them while, while they're young. All right. What's the opposite of a midlife crisis? Midlife triumph? I mean, he, do, he does actually have a midlife crisis when, he's on the, when he reaches the world's yeah. mountains. <laughs> because he climbs the top of them, which it isn't the Himalayas. It isn't fantasies himalayas that the that the giant sky titans were on but he was still on some of the highest mountains in the world and while he was up there he actually like looked to the other side of the mountains so you know on the other side of the world there's mountains which would be what would be asia like fantasy asia and this is where the, the alexander the great parallel comes back in he wept because he realized there was still so much more land to conquer i was gonna say so it's like uh calling back to the Sigmar episode where he sees all this land and he just goes pathetic <laughs> kind of yeah but in this case Cetra was, was more for his ego than Sigmar feeling pathetic for humanity uh, Cetra realized that even if he even if he lived to the age of 100 which again this is I think this is 2500 before Sigmar so human was life wasn't ask, that long. like what the time frame was of Setra and the two, and the still living Tomb Kings compared to like Sigmar. Yeah, it's it's two thousand five hundred years before, so that would be like five thousand years before the present day. Okay, that tracks. Yeah. So while this is going on, while Setra realized that even if he lived to a hundred, he still wouldn't conquer the entire world. Given how much you did conquer, though, I still, I still think it's fucking impressive. Mm-hmm. But um, Cetra realized that you know, even if he did conquer the entire world, there was one enemy he couldn't conquer, which was death. Again, Alexander the Great. Um, and when he realized this, he wept because he realized, oh, like even if I conquer the entire planet, I will eventually die. And in a hundred years from my death, no one will remember me. Spoilers! <laughs> so Cetra was really sad. <laughs> to say the least. And so he actually retreated back to Nehekara where he would set up his throne room, where he would set up his palace. And while he was there, um, he would actually order the... He basically... There was this kind of fringe group of radical uh, cultists who worshipped the... who worshipped the god, Not the Kansas gods. Who worshipped the Nehekaran gods just like he did. And while they were a fringe group, he kind of related to them. And he basically gave a cult a shit ton of power. Uh-oh. Nothing goes um, wrong ever. No. I mean, look at Marathi. <laughs> so, um, well, when I say they were they were an extremist cult, um, I'm kind of being, like, hyperbolic. They were a fringe group of, like, sorcerers. And, I, again, during this time, cult doesn't mean, like, an actual secretive cult. It means, like, a religious belief. But they were a more fringe kind of radical group compared to everyone else. But he can, but he related to them, and he actually ordered these people called the Mortuary Cult to dedicate their life, dedicate all their knowledge, their their teachings, their sorceries, everything they could to finding out how to how to attain eternal youth, you know, live forever. Because Cetra does not want to die. How could Cetra die? And you know, the, you basically just ask them to fucking move a mountain. It's like. We'll fucking try. We'll give it the old college try, that's for sure. They're just little guys, after all. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the mortuary cult of little guys. <laughs> now, I should mention, though, that, you know, while they were given the impossible task of gaining eternal life and eternal youth, 
they did actually manage to extend human life a little bit. Like in just the short amount of time that they were given and the resources they were given, they actually did manage to increase Cetra's life from like no one knows how old Cetra would have died of old age if he didn't have these, you know, the mortuary cult giving him like additional youth serums, additional like medicines, all these different herbs and all these different mixes and magical chemicals and shit. But Cetra would actually live to the age of a hundred. So he would actually get those extra sixty years of his life that he wept for. So he would actually live to, I think it's 100, before he died of old age. Yeah, oh, considering like human lifespan is like, what, 35 at that point? Like, yeah. He did He did good. Yeah. And this was something that was given to like, well, I was going to say all of that car, but <laughs> no. I'm smelling some foreshadowing um, for a future, plagi- for future self-plagiarism here. <clears throat> the nobles and the lich priests, obviously, the lich priests obviously got, you know, this stuff. And the pharaohs and the nobles and all those other people. But the regular humans, no, they did not. Only the most, like, top-tier elite soldier might have gotten just a littlest bit of this boost. Like, you know, it was a very much kind of coveted resource. And it only got worse when Cetra died. When Cetra died, suddenly the Golden Age and Nekara was suddenly experiencing ended. Because, you know, he didn't leave any heirs. And he left the cult in charge of his throne. And then he died of old age. 13 episodes in, dear listeners. You should know by now, this is Warhammer. We can't have nice things. Yeah. And this is what caused a bunch of the uh, fringe colonies to fall apart. You know, the ones in Lustria, the ones that are far off, like in the old world, uh, they would eventually kind of separate and become disconnected. Not for lack of trying, but just because of external forces kind of left them alone and they would eventually either die out or give rise to a barbarian kingdom, Sigmar, 2,000 years in the future. Side tangent. <laughs> so, Nankara kind of collapses. I don't want to say collapses. It falls into infighting. And a lot of the tomb kings feel sad for Cetra because of his death. It was only his funeral, I say his death, that was kind of like the thing that brought them together. Because when Cetra died, he ordered that a massive pyramid, the biggest fucking pyramid in all of Nekaran history, be built to be his tomb. And it would be made of the finest, most precious, most insanely rare, pure white marble. Because, of course. Metal. And you want to know the reason why, though? Another reason why it had to be specifically white marble? I know there's some kind of dick marriage contest joke in here, but go ahead. Well, yes, because when the sun hits the white marble after reflecting off the sand, it creates a blinding light that makes so no one can stare at the pyramid directly. I got a mangina. I'm all And that is the most petty thing ever, and I fucking love it. That must be a bitch to clean. <laughs> Just a oh, fucking. Did I miss a spot? I don't fucking know. Shring! Oh! My eyes! My leg! Bald! Bald! My eyes! My eyes! Uh, so, um, Cetra died, but here's the thing though. While Cetra was a very cruel leader in his life, he was also a very generous and, and well loved leader. To the point that his army, a good portion of like his main force, actually wanted to be buried in the tomb with him. To be sealed in there. 
to die alongside their their leader, their king. This is striking so, me as um oh shoot, what was that Chinese emperor? Uh Qin. Emperor Qin. Because yeah. that's the uh the terracotta army. Yeah, very similar. I mean it's 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 identical. So he had himself buried inside the tomb with his most loyal followers. And again, because the mortuary cult are sorcerers, they actually bound inside every single every single like stone brick that was made in this pyramid they bound with every single possible rune every single possible word everything to make this pyramid basically the most magic proof thing ever like again enchantments on top of enchantments on top of protective wards everything everything was like his body mummified with the most sacred uh paper um what's it called Sanskrit uh, papers, everything was like one million percent. Like, you know, this was like the Lamborghini of fucking death ceremonies. I mean, for a guy as important as important as Setra, I mean that that warrants the uh, the Lamborghini of uh, you know magical warding. But I got to ask, how does that compare yeah. to uh, Veala or the uh, Winds of Magic for the elves? I kind of want to say it's. I kind of want to say it's not as strong. Well, I mean, in in Vela's case, Vela's is just way stronger. <laughs> but I mean, it's up there. It's not as strong, but it's definitely up there. Um, and it actually extended to not just Setra but also his soldiers. They weren't given as you know as uh, luxurious um, wars as he was, but definitely more than even the greatest pharaohs at the time were being given. Just because of the fact of how devoted they were. Like, you guys are so devoted, you want to die alongside your pharaoh? Okay, well, you guys are going to get the same kind of, at least top-tier, mortuary cult treatment. Rad. So, yeah. Um, they also they also said on Setra on his deathbed that they would not rest until they found the way to resurrect him from the dead. To basically bring him back. It basically became this cult, this mortuary cult's life um, like existence long mission to find the way to not only crack eternal life, crack eternal youth, but also find a way to bring the dead back to life. These were going to be their three goals. Now, they would accomplish most of these goals. <laughs> so, again, like I said, as soon as Cetra died, they immediately fractured. They immediately started realizing, okay, well, you know, what can we do now that Cetra's dead? The Mortuary Call kind of took a good authoritative position and began basically being a cult as you know cult as all cults are they want to make that money Cetra set the example of when i die resurrect me and suddenly every single pharaoh king also wanted to the same thing oh when we die resurrect us you know put my name in the fucking toll booth of lives that need to be resurrected and you know the mortuary cults they're not going to do this to everybody not everybody can get the luxury you know getting our best warding our best equipment our best you know rights rituals everything no, no, no. If you want, they have to pay premium. Obviously, we can't afford this. <laughs> and after a couple hundred years to a thousand years, the mortuary cult goes from, you know, a fringe group of radicalists to uh, basically the most powerful um, political body in Nakara. To the point that rituals, funeral rites, and the very construction of the pyramids themselves started to become even more favorable, favorable in the gods' worship and um even life itself 
that Nikar and King started to value how they would be remembered and how their tombs would look more than their actual life and more than their actual time ruling as king, which meant that a lot of them actually began to fall into debaucherous and decadent lifestyles because it was more like, oh, I don't need to worry about ruling because I'll die eventually. And when I die, I'll be resurrected. So I don't fucking care how I live my life now. So it's nothing but debauchery. 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 <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't insanely debaucherous. It was more just, you know, higher degree of decadence than usual. And again, like like Cetra, these guys demanded that their armies join them in death. So like Cetra, who had a willing host join him, uh, these Tomb Kings would demand that their soldiers, their servants, all of them join them in burial because I am the king. I demand it. But uh, yeah, no uh, matter yes, how Mr. hard... Pharaoh, I have a question. <laughs> I did not see anything about joining and this uh, 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 self-entombment in the job description. Can I go home now? <laughs> You're excused. Anyone else? No, we're good. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it was basically that. So it was when did they have to start playing Tetris with all the bodies to make sure they all fit in the pyramid? <laughs> well, I think I think once Tetris set the example, none of them could reach it. So, I mean, it's fine. As long as they know how to stack the bodies, I think it'll be fine. I mean, they're just peasant bodies after all. I feel bad for whoever has to be the line piece. <laughs> <clears throat> so, I, I said this before. Cetra had the biggest army, so even though the pharaohs tried to demand like the full of their armies join them in death, not all their armies would join. Like, yeah, they would get some that would join them, and some that would be forced. But no matter how hard every single one of these pharaohs tried, none of them could reach even close to how many soldiers were buried inside Cetra's tomb, or come close to the amount of warding on their pyramids and on their own bodies, etc., or his soldiers were given. So again, just instead of precedence. And of course, every single generation, the Morsuri call would upscale, up price, you know, increase the amount of money that would be demanded of the pharaohs, of all these respective, you know, pharaoh kings. Um, to the point that they started actually demanding people join them. And they actually started demanding that pharaohs offer up their children to the cult. To, you know, expand the ranks. You know, it's only right. Because, honey, these resurrection spells don't pay for themselves, you know. Yeah, um, right down to the point that they demanded the firstborn of every single pharaoh. And whenever the firstborn is born, that they take custody of that child. So, it was a cult. <laughs> or the Jedi Council. Or the Egyptian plagues. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was something I mean... about the firstborn children, you know. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Firstborn, I think it's firstborn son, but regardless. So, you know, the mortuary cult was very powerful at this time, given the fact that pharaohs would literally offer their firstborn child, despite the fact that that child should be their heir to the mortuary cult, which not only meant that the mortuary cult expanded in size, but also in research capacity and ability, to the point that they actually discovered eternal life. Oh... Now, how they did this involved a lot of sacrifice, a lot of rituals, and probably a lot of blasphemous uh, acts. None of them were chaos-related, though, actually, surprisingly, just blasphemous in the um, twist on life itself. And they actually created Oof. a elixir of life. Now, 
Who got this elixir of life? The Lich Priest. Did anyone else? No. <laughs> of course not. It's called a premium sweetie. No. No, exactly. Um, now, notice how I said eternal life and not eternal youth. Because while the while the, the Tomb Kings and the Pharaohs and the Lich Priests did extend their lives, you know, by centuries at this point, like you were living several hundred of years at this point, your body still ages. Ages slower, but it still ages. Eventually, your body does die. Your body does decay. You become a zombie, but you're still alive. You literally have you literally have to repossess your own dead corpse. <laughs> Oof. Yep. <laughs> and you become you become you become immortal. You don't die technically of old age, but you're inhabiting a corpse. That's where the concept of some of the Tomb Kings come in. You're literally a corpse being possessed by that corpse's own soul. And again, the Lich Priest kept it to themselves. They didn't give it to the pharaohs, obviously. And then the Gash came along. <laughs> now, as much as I want to cover all of the Gash's story, I'm going to make it really brief. He joins the Mortuary Cult, becomes top-tier A-plus in the class, best of the best, you know, A-plus teacher, best of the best. Again, he was a firstborn son of a king, so he technically should have been in line for the throne. He didn't get it because he had to join the cult. I love sacrificing my firstborn to a cult. <laughs> and because of that... So you're saying Anakin's not your firstborn. <laughs> hey. He's not my firstborn. He didn't have to join the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... So as said, as Nagash was growing, as Nagash joined the Mortuary Call, he became a rising star and actually learned magic, and actually began to learn magic from um, from some dark elves who actually got captured by Nakara, because again, Nakara was still a very powerful military force, military empire at this time. So while Nik while uh, dark elves did go into Nakara, they would be attacked and taken captive. Um. From them, Nagash would learn magic. Now, this is a big thing, because while um, the Karns didn't know divine magic, they didn't know, you know, what would be considered actual magic. So him learning magic is fucking insane, like a pretty incredible fact of the matter. And if I remember correctly, he actually develops dark magic, because there's dark and there's shadow, and those two things aren't the same. Although I can understand but, the confusion. Yeah. I don't fully understand how the magic works for the darkness and shadows or how that works for Olgu and the AOS, but I'm going to ignore that because I don't think that matters and it's kind of stupid. Shh, we're not talking about Sigmar. How dare you? Regardless, regardless, uh, Nagash gains access to magic and control over death, over the wind of Da. And what this does is it allows him to use necromancy to resurrect the dead, which he promptly immediately uses on the Dark Elves. Again, I'll cover I'll cover Nagash's full story later on. All you need to know is that he learns how to use magic for necromancy and rise and raise the dead. <laughs> now, Nagash does get defeated eventually. He would return after from an alliance with some Skaven for some warpstone and builds a giant warpstone pyramid. One that's just bigger than Cetras. <laughs> Because <laughs> he just had the flex. because yes, um, also because Cetra's pyramid was kind of like uh, Kazar that we mentioned in our very first episode, where it was just so 
fucking big that the amount of resources put into it could almost never be replicated on an, on a similar scale, mm-hmm. which meant that every single pyramid that 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 followed for the next thousand years was always small and cetera's. Nagash obviously couldn't allow that and made one that was even bigger than than Cetra's, which meant that it obviously required even more effort and labor, especially to build. And it was made out of pure warp stone. So again, chaos radiation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Cetra uses his magic to uh, try to conquer the world. He fails because Skaven saved the world. And uh, that was a loaded statement. Um, <laughs> yes, Exo, Skaven are cool. Calm down, calm down. Well, Skaven didn't save the world, but they gave a knife to a guy who would. Um, <laughs> and um, after this, uh, all all of the uh, dead of Nekar get resurrected by accident, except for Cetra. And while everyone else comes back to life, there's a bunch of chaos happening because literally every single king and queen who's ever lived comes back to life with their armies oh so that's how the spooky scary skeletons come about yep uh nagash fucks up on a ritual and resurrects everyone except cetera um and then cetera gets resurrected because people realize hey um there's a lot of anarchy going on and everyone's kind of fighting with each other and things aren't going great if only there was someone who could kick us all back into line hmm hey did you read this book about some guy who kicked us all into line yeah let's bring him back so like when Nagash oh. did his did his goof on bringing everyone back to life except for Cetra, like was that on purpose or was that just um Cetra um Nagash's goal was to basically again I'm trying to make it brief for Nagash's original for Nagash's upcoming episode whenever that happens but to give it but this could be like ten episodes from now so I mean I may as well cover it now. Cetra's goal, uh, Nagash's goal, I'm sorry, I'm sort of saying Cetra and Nagash. They're both two, like, the two main characters of, um, like, the Tomb King storyline, so I'm kind of getting confused uh, in terms of how I'm speaking. The difference between these two pictures. They're the same picture. <laughs> oh, they're not the same picture. <laughs> jokes, way cool jokes, Nagash. everybody. Nagash is such a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> and we wouldn't have it the Nagash other episode, way. Uh, drinking game. Every time... Ray says something about Nagash either fucking up a ritual or fucking up somebody else's ritual. Take a shot. You'll be drunk in 10 minutes. Oh, I got Don't this. Spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Nagash, Nagash's goal was to basically use his black pyramid made out of pure warp stone to basically kill all the life in Nick to kill every single human animal and plant in Hikara. Like, Everyone would die. The life out of the very soil would be taken away. And the goal was to take all this energy into himself, such at this point was already a corpse, reanimating a body, and to use his power to basically reach even higher in terms of his own power, while that while at the same time putting that power back into the world and resurrecting all of the dead. So just like how I said um his ritual fucked up and brought everyone back to life, his goal was to bring everyone back to life, but singularly under his control. And again, when I say bring everyone back to life, I don't just mean like, oh, all the soldiers in the pyramids, all of the... No, I mean everyone. Every single dead body on Nehekaran soil would be resurrected under his control. That was his original goal, anyway. So you could literally imagine, like... Yeah, you could literally imagine, like, armies that have fought for thousands thousands of years ago 
could suddenly rise up out of the sand, from, made out of the very sand itself, because the bones decay, and just form themselves back into being and serve Nagash. You could have the biggest army in the world in an instant. And arguably maybe bring back his gods, his corpse, zombies, but that's a theory. That's not what his goal was. That was just a theory that that's all going around online. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> um, that was Nagash's goal. Because the ritual fucked up, he wasn't able to take control over all the bodies, nor was he able to bring back all of the dead. And because he couldn't do either of those things, all the dead that were resurrected were just resurrected as mindless zombies, unless they came from the pyramids. Because of that warding that was on both on the corpses and on the pyramids themselves, very much like the Necrons, the Tomb Kings were resurrected with varying degrees of intelligence, free will, and personality. So depending on how much of this warding and protection you were given, the more, the more of yourself was able to bleed through and, and remain inside the body. And again, every so that makes sense as to what his goal was, Gerald? Yeah. But now it's, it's okay. getting me thinking to like our, one of our previous conversations. And now I see why you're upset. You, why, when we talk about this, you're more upset about the Necrons. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm still a Necron <laughs> fanboy to all you 40K folks out there. But dang, this is making me upset now. Yeah. And because of this, all the Tomb Kings resurrected with their own varying degrees of personality and independence with their own armies. And, and unlike the Necrons, because their armies joined them in the in you know in the embalming table, um, their soldiers also have varying degrees of personality as well. Because it turns out you kind of want your soldiers to have experience from the previous battles. Shocking. <laughs> Gasp. You know, when your veterans are actual veterans and they're immortal. Oh, I should also mention, when, they, when I mean they were undead, I mean they were undead. As in, if you were to, say, decapitate one of the Tomb Kings and take his skull and, you know, lay it on fire and throw it in a catapult, you know, halfway across the, across the desert, he would reform and come back to life. Oh, so they just, like, can't die. Yep. Yep. But... There's um, got the to only... be, oh. be some kind of catch, though, right? Like, like with Necrons, um, like if, they're se- if they're severely damaged, they can be destroyed. So what's the catch for the Tomb Kings? I believe it's like they have to be totally destroyed. Because if I remember correctly, Cetra does actually use heads as catapult ammunition. <laughs> Reaping skull catapults. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. Honestly, I'm just saying, Cetra, that's a vibe. That is a vibe. Like, someone pisses you off, guards, take his head, give it to me. I'll dip it in oil, light on fire, throw at the enemy, and watch his body follow it. <laughs> Wait, this is a really good way to invade our cities. Hey, guards, kill yourself and throw your heads over the wall, too. Trust me, it'll work. It'll, it'll work. I've done it twice already. Yes. <laughs> Listen, the invasion starts in a month. Don't, don't worry about what we're already here. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is when we all wake up on the other side of the wall, we'll be fine. You understand what I mean? Who needs a Trojan horse when you can just when you can just catapult your flaming head over the wall? You know, you you're laughing like I'm joking when I'm really not. <laughs> that's the fu- that's the best part. I know you're not. 
Now tell me, can the Necrons throw their heads and then have, see their entire body fall behind? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> oh, you're making me upset now. <laughs> well, like imagine, imagine you have like you have a t you have a Necron head, you throw it, and then it like explodes like a grenade, and you have its entire body like form up around the head and then form itself up, and then suddenly behind enemy lines, it just starts opening fire. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna write my my Necron dynasty like that. Thank you. I'm stealing that. <laughs> my OC don't steal. <laughs> uh, so, because of this, oh, and again, because the armies are immortal, it basically became an immovable object versus an ensemble force, meaning that, oh, my army fought your army. Well, my army's destroyed. Okay, give me like 10 minutes. <laughs> now, is it kind of like, and, okay, so say you do completely find a way to you find you do find a way to completely destroy the body. Now there's no now there's that's one less undead you have to worry about. Is it kind of like the Necrons in that they can't make more of them, so that so like every loss is completely permanent? No, they can make more. Oh, because right. that's what Lich Priest can do. Basically, oh. the only way to destroy them is to unbind their souls. But a Lich Priest can rebind the souls. So let's say the Tomb Kings steamroll enemy force. Well, well, Tomb Kings probably wouldn't. Depends on Tomb King. They can have their Lich Priests rebind the souls of dead soldiers back to their bodies. And because they aren't given the proper ceremonial rites and shit, they just come back as basically mindless slaves, mindless servants to the Lich Priests that resurrected them, who themselves in service to the Tomb King that's in charge of, or who's in control of them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, it's the kind of like, so like they're, they're like the cryptic to the fair, to the Necrons Pharon, basically. I would kind of view them as a mix of Necrons and Tyran is in the form of like, you need a synapse creature to control the, the lesser ones. Okay. Yeah. So that's also how um, Necron, that's how more well, Necrons, that's also how a di um, different armies can like expand their ranks. So again, not only, like, let's say you're the Empire, I'm, I'm the Tomb Kings, I steamroll one of your armies. Well, now I resurrect your guys as, as, as soldiers, as my, as my followers. Well, that's fine. What happens if I attack another Tomb King? Well, I can unbind his souls and make his army smaller by unbinding the souls. Or I can rebind the souls of his army, of his dead soldiers. And make them bend to my lich priest's will. Ooh. Now, the problem is that while this might work on a one on a one-on-one -on -one battle, this isn't gonna work when there's three, four, five, six different armies going on at once. Like it starts to become like, oh, I'm trying to resurrect this guy. Oh, I'm I'm dead. Oh, I'm trying to resurrect this guy. Oh, I'm dead. You know, it becomes it's too hectic for things to to work out and play out properly. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what you're telling me is that while the Empire is playing checkers, the Tomb Kings are playing chess. Exactly. Literally capturing uh, pawns. Yes, quite literally. And that's why the pawns go first. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I have even back, Skeven, yes. <laughs> oh, I die, I die. Oh no, I die, die, you die, you die, you die, murder, yes. <laughs> I did, I did uh, die. <laughs> so, you know, this isn't great. Um, so back to Cetra. Realizing, oh, this isn't great, you know, there's a bunch of battles going on, we should probably resurrect somebody to kick our, all of our asses. So they resurrect Cetra. <laughs> well, they don't resurrect him. They break the warding on his, um, on his temple, on his, uh, his pyramid, 
And because of breaking the warding, this allows a necromantic magic that's still seeping around the area to resurrect him. But because he and his soldier are given the best of the best of the fucking best warding, when Cetra comes back, he comes back with his full fucking abilities. <laughs> oh, I, sh- I should also mention when Cet- I should also mention something about Cetra. Um, Cetra willed himself to learn magic because yeah. um, totally yeah, because magic magic is kind of like a mix of you have to be born with the innate talent to use it. And then you also have to study to like master it. So it's a mix of those two things together. It isn't just like, oh, I'm I'm a psyker, I can use magic. No, it's oh, I might have like I don't have to be a psyker to have talent to use magic. I can learn to use magic, but it's not great and it's really fucking hard to like even become even like the most basic of basics if I don't have the talent for it. So you need to both have talent and to be able to study for it. Cetra did not have the talent for it. And yet became a above average magic user. <laughs> Set, I could just imagine like Setra was just like waking up from you know, you know waking up being resurrected and just like busting out with all of his abilities, looking at Nagash and just like the mess that he created. It smells like bitch in here. <laughs> well, I should like I should mention Nagash. Uh, Nagash is a stronger sorcerer than. Um, then Cetra, which Cetra does not like because Cetra should not be second to anyone. But <laughs> it should, it should. I, I need to preface this though. Cetra had no talent for magic. I don't mean like he wasn't talented. I mean that he just wasn't born with, he should not have been able to use magic because he was just not born with magic. But yet he fucking studied and willed himself to use magic, which again is possible. But most people who do that can only get basic, very minimal average ability. Cetra was above average. I mean, that's gotta be commended right, right there, so... Yeah, like, that's like saying, oh, study, um, here's a test for fucking, like, quantum physics, you've never studied it before, you don't even, lear- you never learned how to do it. Now, take a class in it and get a passing grade. O- okay, I'll try. Cetra will, Cetra can do it. Why can't you? Your weakness fills yeah, me with shame. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, Cetra did it. It's like, you know what? Fuck, I, 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 I can just clap my hands at him. Good job. <laughs> but, again, at this point, Cetra comes back to life and he has his army. Oh, I should also mention uh, Nagash isn't around this time. Nagash kind of died. I mean, it's the second time he died, actually. This is the second or third time he's died. He did died. Nagash is like Star Scream that he's immortal. <laughs> For those who don't know, Star Starscream is canonically immortal in Transformers. Don't make me talk about Transformers lore. <laughs> Writing notes down uh. here for next Grimlore episode. There's a guy called Magnus also in Transformers. Don't make me start. Where does this Magnus uh, name keep pro- cropping up everywhere? What the hell? I think it's just a really great name, you know? I mean, yes it is, but damn. <laughs> there, I said it, Ray. Uh, okay. Are you happy now? Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> God, you're never gonna make. You're All right, never regardless. That down. Yes, regardless. So Nagash, Nagash is dead. Cetra is like, hey, look, I have the biggest army and the biggest dick. Well, all you guys look like a bunch of bitches in here. So I have to push you guys back in order. <laughs> and he did. It smells like now. bitch in here. Quoth Cetra, circa minus fifteen hundred <laughs> imperial calendar. Yeah, I think it was about fifteen hundred. But you want to know what Citra did after that? What did he do? He waited. 
<laughs> well, okay. I mean, when I say he waited, I mean like he didn't really do anything. <laughs> like, dang, all that build. That's just really. Basically, for the next like three thousand years, Stretcher kind of doesn't do well. I'm saying he doesn't do a lot, but like he burned all of Norska, the ground one time. So I mean, like that was kind of cool. He invaded Bretonia. No, he didn't invade Bretonia. Some of his some of his warriors invaded Bretonia. Um, Dang, you know, rip, rip club. Otherwise, mm, I mean, like that's the only disappointing thing is that during this period, during like the, this three thousand year period. Uh, Stetra doesn't really do a lot of stuff. Like, when I say he doesn't do a lot of stuff, like, it's still impressive what he does manage to do. Again, he invades and burns down all of Norska, which, again, is, like, fantasy, I don't know, like, Norway. Fantasy Norway, I guess. So, man, again, imagine traveling, like, from, Nor- imagine traveling from, like, Egypt to Norway on foot, but then double that distance. And then still proceed to burn Norway to the ground. Yes, and then make it back. That's impressive. Oh, well, also, well, also fighting everything in your way. Now, was this still well, like before? Sorry. Oh, oh apologies. Uh, well, when your feet don't get tired, it's a lot easier to march. <laughs> he makes a good he point. makes a good point. Actually, <laughs> he does make a good point. <laughs> uh, um, sorry, what were you going to say, Gerald? But my, yeah, my question was like, is this like? Still, the time frame before Sigmar, or is this kind of like shortly after Sigmar founds like the Empire of Man, or is it so like like how how where are we here as far as like timeline wise? I believe this was before Sigmar because Norska did have people in it. It wasn't just like abandoned until Sigmar kicked the Norse into Norska. But um, yes, otherwise it's. Um, I'm pretty sure it's before it, because I know the invasion of um, Bretonia, Araby, and everything else happens after um, Setra bring down Norska. Now, while it doesn't place it before Sigmar or after, I like to think it's before Sigmar, only because you would kind of notice an army of half a million skeletons moving through the Empire. Yeah. I mean... When you think about the Beastman attack that killed two million people, yeah, people would notice a yeah. bunch of spooky, scary skeletons. Yeah, especially if Citra was leading them. Especially, if oh, Citra I should also mention. Yeah, I should also make. I should also remind. My, I also reminded myself. Um, why? Do, okay, Gerald, ask me why uh, Citra invaded Norse Norska and burned it to the ground. <sighs> why did Citra invade Norska and burn it to the ground? Um, does our guest know why Cetra invaded Norska and burned it all to the ground? Um, because I'm just going to assume that Norska had something that Cetra didn't, and Cetra decided, I don't like that. Exactly. Except in this case, it was something Cetra had and that he didn't have anymore. Because it turns out while Cetra was, um, like, dead, Nors- Norska invaders um, actually made it all the way down to Nekara, you know, Across the coast, invade Nekara, ransacked one of um one of Cetra's, uh, I believe it was either his tomb or his palace, and they stole his crown that he had when he was alive. And not only did this crown actually provide some magical powers and extended life, it was also Cetra's crown. Oh, you better believe. Part. You better believe that's a beheading. 
oh, it wasn't the beheading. It was, I'm going to burn your entire continent. <laughs> like, when I mean he burned Norska, I mean the continent was ablaze. <laughs> the world's Which is another reason why I think this happened before Sigmar. Because, like, I like to imagine there was, like, primitive or, like, the first generation of Norskans that, in, that lived there. And Cedric killed all of them. So that's why there's there's Norskans now, because the Norse still moved there and took their place. Oh, jeez. <laughs> And if this because, happened like and if this happened after Sigmar, there'd have been there'd have been uh there'd have been evidence. Yeah. Like like Magnus the Pious struggled, like he he desecrated Norska, but he did not burn Norska to the ground. <laughs> if it was Magnus the Dead, maybe. Well <laughs> while the entirety of Norska burned, they were finally at a comfortable sixty degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> The warmest it will ever get. I think it's actually kind of hilarious when you think about it, actually, that they produce fire and Norse going to begin with. <laughs> Setra's so cold. Sorry to chatter. My bones trying to rattle. Setra looked at his looked at his court jester. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Give me your head. <laughs> You're going in the catapult. <laughs> he gets thrown. <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> I mean... I'm, you just hear in the distance, it's nothing to lose your head over. <laughs> That's it. I'm going over there myself. Such a throws in bed. Oh, God. I swear I, I mean, will imagine, your soul. I mean, think about the intimidation tactic level. You have catapults flying at you, and like they're like a bunch of like small like shrapnels, and you're like, oh, there's a bunch of like small impacts, and you realize they're like skulls, and you're like, what the hell? And then they start talking, and you're like, what the hell? And now I know you have the rest of the body flying behind you and impales you with bones. And then those bones form into a skeleton that then proceeds to kill your family and everyone else. <laughs> Talk about it's like, stylish entry. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, I can see how you conquer so much of the world when you can throw your fucking bodies at people. That's cool. Setro does have a flair for the dramatics. I mean, of course. <laughs> I mean, there were again most of, most of this time that Setra was ruling. It was very much kind of making sure that everything was, you know, united. Because every once in a while, I say once in a while, it was very common that one of the tomb kings kind of get too big for their britches constantly, and would constantly try to uh, challenge, uh, <laughs> would constantly try to challenge uh, Setra's rule, which you know wasn't great <laughs> to the point that some battles. Because of the fact that the Tomb Kings were immortal, battles would actually last, like, like some wars would last, like, ten years, you know, decades. Some could last centuries because of the fact that the Tomb Kings themselves and their armies were immortal. And that was just one battle. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, we'll call it a draw. Escape and victory. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Uh, I mean, if it makes if it makes you feel better, um, Cetra also joined forces with, uh, with well... I mean, he joined forces with a lot of people, if I'm be honest. But uh, Cetra has actually joined forces with uh, the Empire, actually, before. Oh? Yes. Um, I believe his, that was... This is all his undead form, correct? Yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. okay. Yep. Um, I believe he helped them fight Greenskins, I think. I know he fought Chaos with the Empire. And he allowed them to leave, if I remember correctly. Like I, I have in my notes, Tetra shows mercy. 
And I'm pretty sure that's because Sentra did not instantly kill them for, uh, you know, helping him. Oh, okay. Total G. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all, like, it's kind of disappointing to say that for the next 3,000 years, Setra doesn't do anything. But at the same time, there's a reason Setra doesn't do anything for those 3,000 years, aside from, like, some very few things. And that's because it's mostly for homebrew. <laughs> it's basically to have a giant amount of uh, space for you to have access to for, um, like, to fill in for your characters or to say, like, oh... I'm leading an army that has Cetra as a leader, so this battle should take place, I don't know, a thousand years before Sigmar. Like, that's mostly what it's for. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, oh shit, I forgot to fucking mention this, the river, fuck. I, have, I, I was looking through my notes again to make sure I wasn't forgetting anything, and it was River Turns Mortis. And I was like, oh yeah, right, I forgot. Um, this whole thing was brought up at the very beginning. Yeah, um, well, it's because I brought up at the very beginning that I forgot about it now. So, remember I said when Cetra uh, siphon, wow, siphons all the life out of the world? Um, that's the reason why the river becomes the River Mortis, because it's poisoned by death magic and shit. Ah, okay. So, it's like the river sticks. Yeah, it's basically. very poisoned. Yeah, yeah. So, it went from like, the thing that brought life in the car to the thing that's basically doomed it. Ah, so what, I'm, so what I'm getting um, here is uh, Cetra is basically the better Silent King. Oh, yeah. And the Tomb Kings are basically the better the better Necrons. Pretty much, yeah. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. So you want me to cover a couple of uh, Cetra's weapons? Just to, you know, give a little uh, fun fun little bit, though. Just cover some of the cool stuff that his weapons have. Sure. I like weapons. My favorite one, because this is the most coolest one, is called the Flail of Skulls. It's made from the skulls of uh, of his victims. <laughs> Forget going in the catapult. You've offended me. You're going on my flail. Yeah. Give me your <laughs> give me your head here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he got his crown, which basically just allows him to have a more. It's basically like a more direct control over. Um, like think of it like the Tyranids. Imagine if, um, like imagine if the Swarm Lord could increase his synapse range even further, and he made the Tyranids stronger. That like under him were even stronger. That's basically what it does. It just increases necromantic abilities. Okay, so basically handing out buffs like candy. Yep. Um, and then probably the craziest weapon he has. If I'm gonna be fucking honest, is the Blessed Blade of Ra. Parentheses Ra, because it's a um, what they call the Kopesh. Like the the the, like the weapon that the that they would use, I like um. But the thing is that, yeah. The thing is though, as well, the entire thing is golden. The very edge of it is white, and the reason why is because it's white hot, <laughs> and it's said to be Ooh. infused with the heat of the sun itself. Ooh. And anything that it cuts immediately in gets incinerated. So what you're saying is he has a Kopesh lightsaber. Yes, oh yes. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Cool. Oh, and then of course he has a chariot of the gods, which is a humble interpretation of Petra's chariot. Because it too um incinerates everything that it runs over or remotely close to it. But again, it's only a humble interpretation of it. Oh yes. Apparently it's described as the sun racing across the across the desert. The one time Setcher will show any ounce of humility. <laughs> Is when he has a son racing across the desert. The desert. 
Oh, this is just a but a humble imitation of the gods, the chariots of the gods. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. That they gifted to me because I am so humble and so so devoted to them. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Now I'm covering Setra because Setra's story inevitably is connected to to Nakara in general. Because again, he's one of the prolific main characters of the of that setting and that uh, faction. So. When I say Nagash, when I say Setra didn't do very much, aside from Civil Wars and burning Noska to the ground, that's mostly what Nakara was also up to. Most of Nakara was spent in this period of Civil War and unrest, with a number of Tomb Kings also vying for control and to usurp Setra. Or some were even trying to resurrect Nagash to find out where his body was and to revive him. (laughs) Um, They probably didn't know... So they're basically just as petty as, like, the Necron dynasties. Yeah. They probably didn't know that Nagash invaded the Empire and fought Sigmar in a 1v1. (laughs) They were so busy fighting each other, they did not know that. (laughs) Yeah, because at this time, the Tomb Kings would be alive when uh, Sigmar is around. So. (laughs) Hmm. That's just a whole other level of petty. I like it. Yep. I should also mention Setra and the Tomb Kings to an extent hate vampires. Ah, glorious. I like these guys. Yes. Yep. 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 But, I mean, we can cover more than the Akaran characters at a later point. I think this was a good overview of Nakara in general, of the gods, of their leader, Setra. So, end times didn't happen. <laughs> After the disaster that was uh, episode, the previous episode that we will not mention, let's uh, not. Well, I mean, it's actually pretty cool. Citra was actually pretty cool during the end times. Okay, okay. Let's, let, let, let's hear it then. He dies. <laughs> <laughs> but wait. He died. He, he died. Is it like uh is it like the lizardmen dying of old age that are supposed to no. be immortal? No, it's actually really cool. So when the gash died, the mortuary cult promised they would resurrect him in a golden perfect body. They ba- basically they, they promised they'd revive him as a superhuman god, basically. And Cetra that was on Cetra's deathbed, so that's what he wanted. So when Cetra was resurrected as a zombie tomb king, he was not very happy and actually found the people who made him that offer, the mortuary cult lich priests. And I believe he turned him into catapult ammunition. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> or part of his flail. Or part of his flail. So Cetra actually does die during the end times. And during his death, like his actual death, like his body's not attached to his soul anymore. Um, Cetra's actually kind of a floating emptiness. And then four powerful beings who are totally not the Chaos Gods offer Cetra. Well, they don't offer him. They give it to him just straight up. They give Cetra the golden body that he asked for and resurrect him with his full power and promise that um, they will do all this for him. And in return, he must serve them and defeat Nagash. Now, what is Cetra's line? Um, Cetra does does not serve. serve. Cetra rules. And... He gets resurrected without the assistance of the Chaos Gods with his body. And he goes to kill Nagash at this time because the Chaos Gods want Nagash dead. But he and he could have easily been like, yes, Chaos Gods, I'll serve you. 
I'll give me all this, and I'll serve you. I will lead your armies against the gash. He fucking says no, and gets resurrected anyway. And and then when he's alive, he's like, fuck you, Chaos Gods. I'm going to fight Nagash on my own. Like, I want Nagash dead. I'm not going to kill him for you. I'm, I resurrected myself because I'm going to kill him for myself. So, oh man, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this. So he even did a better fuck you to the Chaos Gods than the freaking em- God Emperor from 40K. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So you got the Dragon Emperor, that's a better Emperor than for, than the God Emperor. You got Sigmar, who's a much better Emperor than the God Emperor. And now you got freaking Setra, who just does a better fuck you to the Chaos Gods than the Emperor. Oh, yep. I better lock my doors tonight. <laughs> yep, literally just, fuck you, Chaos Gods, no. I will kill Nagash for myself, I don't need you. <laughs> Oh, I now, too hard at that. Well, this is unfortunately does end with, you know, Setra dying because the the world blowing up. The Nakarans and Setra are technically, depending on how you want to view it, alive in Age of Sigmar. Because the Nakarans and the Tomb Kings are basically the uh the Stormcast Eternals. The Storm the Stormcast Eternals or uh what was it? Not Nighthaunt, the Bone Bone Reapers. Ossiark, whatever they're called. The Ossiark Bone Reapers. I yeah. would, I could say the Ossiark Bone Reapers are very much like the Nehakarans, but I'm going to say no, because while the Ossiark Bone Reapers are closer to necromancy, lifeless necromancy, the, Stormcla- the Stormcasts are closer to the Tomb Kings in that they have personality, identity, and they have Cetra, because Cetra is a Stormcast. Oh, wait, so that was like no joke. Like, I'm waiting for a guest to chime in because he did not like. Me. <laughs> I mentioned this before the joke, but he did not like it. Yeah, <sighs> but yes, Cetra is actually a Stormcast. Well, kind of, not really. <laughs> There's legal debate currently, or beforehand. I don't know if it was ever confirmed or not, but someone wrote that there was a Stormcast named Cetra, so something anyway, something very, very close to Cetra. And that this specific Stormcast Lord uh, was leading a Storm host, which is like a group of Stormcasts, called the Imperishables. I'm looking that up now. Oh, and they specifically fought Nagash and Chaos, I believe is what it was. So. Find anything? Oh. Lord Selatin Cetris. Lord Ordinator, Lord Commander Bastion. Um, oh, uh, and he's, um, I think it's called the Un- Undying King. Oh, well, either way. Oh, there it is, Imperishables. So the right, Tomb so Kings kind of sort of make it to Age of Sigmar, but not really, and people are upset about it because, well, obviously... Yes. Oh, I think also the timing of the world um, getting blown up timed well with um, Necrons getting their update. Like where they became basically the Tomb Kings. So it was already just like, oh, we'll end the Tomb Kings here, but we'll keep them going here. Okay, that kind of makes sense because like End Times was like, what, 7th, 8th edition of uh, 40k? And then I Necrons, think so, yeah. I think it was... 
Necron's got their big update in ninth edition. So okay, I, I can see that. I can see that. So it makes the blatant copying even worse. <laughs> yeah, I'm not happy about it, but I don't know. I still like my Necrons. Oh, I agree. But <laughs> you got any more uh, questions about Nekara, about Cetra, about even the Gash, anything? If I wasn't so devoted to my dwarf Sona, I'd I'd be all about them tomb tomb kings right now. So yeah, you, you got me, you got me liking them. Cetra's a total G, deserving of all all eighty eighty six hundred titles. Yep. Again, canonically, it takes I think it's like twenty four hours to, I think it takes a full day or some shit to say all of them. And you better hope you, you don't start- screw it up. <laughs> Otherwise, yep. you got to start over. Well, I guess while our uh, I guess while our uh, Druki friend here is passed out from the ale, which looks and smells strangely like uh, uh, unpaid intern blood, um, let's, go ahead and do, let's go ahead and do our shout-outs and announcements. Yes, yes, yes. So I would thank our Druki friend here for guessing on our show, but oh well, he'll hear this in post. <clears throat> so. That being said, let's uh, give a shout out to our wonderful patrons for because for your lovely donation, this 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 makes it makes all this possible. So we yes. have the honorable Bretonian knight Sir Flub de Montfort, the noble chaos dwarf Slappy, the imperial dwarven knight Astronautical, the trickster knight of Zinch Warper, the powerlifting knight of Nurgle Big Joe G. Welcome to the party, boys. <laughs> the noble island dwarf, admiral, pirate, king, lover in the night, smoker of the elven pipe weed, and crocodile hunter, Mark from Lorehammer. <laughs> <laughs> the noble squire, Skaven, exo, flat claw. Yes, <laughs> The wizard noble of Zinch, Magnus the Rad. Yeah. And and the noble Druki pirate, Admiral Dungledoo Scarecock. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all and everyone else on on our uh, Patreon and Discord for your wonderful patronage and for making this community as fun and as awesome as it is. I like I like friends. So that being said, if you have made it this far and dealt with all of our cringe jokes and like what you listen to, you can join our Patreon for as little as one dollar per month. Um, you can join our uh, you can join our Discord, nerd out with you know. A bunch of other like-minded individuals fight over who is the better race, be it the Skaven, the Bretonians, the Dwarves, or the Elves. <laughs> uh, the argument. The rest was wrong. Get him. <laughs> oh man, yeah. The argument. The arguments. They're 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 quite hilarious. Um, oh, I love them. Oh yeah, they're just they're 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 so fun. So yeah. Uh, join our Patreon if you're feeling generous. You get a bunch of uh, you get a bunch of cool perks, and then of course we have different tiers for other rewards. We will let you read those in the description, uh, or if you if you want to as well, you can just uh, rate the show, uh, leave the night, leave a review. A few kind words go a long way, and yeah, that's all the the Patreon shouts and stuff. Do we have any big announcements? Merchandise is in the works. Uh, currently being, uh, well, it's not currently. It's 
going to be ordered, not by myself, by uh, my merchandise person. He's ordering the materials necessary for it. So it's underway. Everything is going good. Everything is going great. Um, we, we don't nice have any. Logo. I think we have ourselves a nice oh, logo yes. in the works. But we'll keep that a surprise. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Super excited for that. Um, hmm. I was going to say, what was I going to say? Fuck, I have my notes here. Give me that a second. They're right here somewhere. Uh, where are they? You fucking assholes. They're gone. Oh, I got an important one. Um, there we go. Um, at time of recording, it is January the 20, well, now the 21st at like dark 30 in the morning, my time. Um, at the end of the month, we still have our book club, which is Skaven Slayer. Um, at a, probably that following weekend, we will try and get a voice chat going in the discord and everyone's invited to attend and it will be recorded for a tavern talk episode. So there you go. That's your warning. Write it down. I demand arguments. Yes. It sustains me. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, we unfortunately have no, uh, no emails being sent in to us yet. So, I mean, you know, add us, uh, send, our e- send emails to uh, grimlore at gmail.com and we'll see, we'll see what kind of emails we can get, what we can read on the show. Because I do want to read people's, uh, yeah. Yeah, correction. Good I want to read what people have to say. Grimlorepodcast at gmail.com. There we go, what he said. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's, always, that's always nice. And um, I had something else I was going to say. It was important. And then I forgot. Curse my blonde roots. I have something important to say. Say it. Um, this is kind of a shield to our Patreon. But if you want twice as many episodes, meaning if you want to hear me talk twice as much, I don't know why. Some people do. I don't know why. Gerald does. Subscribe to our Patreon. You can get um, a second video. Or you get a video every week. You get a, you get a podcast episode every week. So we have our main episode every two weeks. And we have another episode um, of Tavern Talk every two weeks. So if you want twice as many episodes. I completely forgot to mention that in the pot in the Patreon shout out. Good. Oh yeah. Good going. Good call on that. Yeah. We have, we have twice as many episodes that people don't realize. And we have an entire backlog. So I mean, not saying you should, cause I'll feel sad, but if you join for a month, you can look at all of our backlog. I'm just mm-hmm. saying it might be smart to do, but yeah. please don't because I appreciate your support. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do remember the announcement. Okay. So, uh, a couple episodes back, we talked about there being uh, a very special something for the first 10 patrons. We have now met that mark. So, for you 10 patrons, you first 10 patrons, you will now be gifted a couple of uh, little uh, special little items. Don't worry, they're nothing huge and they're nothing, they're nothing gross or NSFW, so don't worry about that. Um, but that's going to be in the works. We're going to get that taken care of. I got to talk to our... Um, what do we call him? Our interned Tomb King Moonlighting as an old one and get that taken care of. <laughs> However, yes. after ta- after conferring with Ray, we are now going to do something for the first 100 patrons. And I hope I'm not going to screw myself over by saying that because I don't want to die doing this. But so now with our first 10 patrons uh, taken care of, we're going to do something special for our first 100 patrons. So... Like, like we've been saying before, as little as $1 per month, or however generous you feel like being, you know the deal. Yes, yes, yes. I want to try and do these little milestone things where every amount of Patreons we can get, 
Because, like, we can do a thing where it's like, oh, if we earn, like, $100 a month, which we do have something for, for me and Jill specifically, kind of a milestone for us to reach. But regardless, we're not doing it by, like, the amount of money we get per month, but just the quali- the quantity of individual patrons we receive. Because, like, like we don't expect people to reach the noble or even, like, the, the knight tier. Even bard tier is, like, appreciated. Any amount is appreciated. So it it just means a lot. So like instead of being like, oh, at a hundred dollars, we'll do something special for you guys. No, it's just the amount of people that are part of our community that we just want to give back to you guys because you guys are fucking awesome. Yeah, because that just means to us, like for what for whatever silly reason you think the two of us idiots gushing about Warhammer Fantasy is worth your monthly dollar or five or ten or however much you're donating. So like that really means a lot to us. So. I, I mean, I genuinely mean it when I say thank you. Really, thank you. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all going to merchandise. So I mean, <laughs> pretty much like we we have well, like neither of us have like even so much as touched like any of the money that's any of the money that's come in currently because like that's going to be going towards merchandise and giving back to you guys. So I have lied about using it. I've lied to my wife about using it so I could buy more money. <laughs> You better hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> she doesn't listen to it. <laughs> oh, I've man. tried. So when you listen to the part where me, where me, you and EXO lost our minds over the uh, the Samurai Jack joke. Oh gosh, <laughs> she thought it was hilarious. Oh man, oh that was a good time. Regardless, you guys can watch. You can guys listen to the episode on the. I think it's the uh, one too many bribes. One too many bribes, I think, is the joke. Is the time we made the joke. We have a lot of inside jokes in our community. If you want to be yeah. part of our inside joke, join our Patreon. And you too can join the Discord where you too can make all the strange and weird and funny dick jokes you want and <laughs> also talk about Halo and Destiny sometimes. Yes, yes. Oh, speaking of, Ray, come with me to the tavern basement. I have something I want to show you. Ooh, is it a segue? It is a wonderful segue. Okay, so you know how our tentacly friend, our t- yeah, our tentacly guest friend from last episode was very knowledgeable about the mystic arts and stuff. Oh yes, of course. So I hired him to build a nice little warp gate. That way, we can actually travel to the Destiny and Halo settings a lot easier than going to one of your Wood Elf cousins. Ah, <clears throat> uh, you know that's probably a good idea. I mean, yeah, kind of on good terms with them right now. I said their forest was too green. You're not on good terms with them right now. Last time I hung out with them, my ears were bleeding and I had, and I had a pain coming out of my, anyways. (laughs) Well, that's how it is for everyone who visits the the wood elves. You're lucky they didn't hunt you for sport. Oh my grungy. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Weddings are really weird. Oh dear, dear, dear. Anyways. Dark elf weddings are weird. (laughs) Well, well, how how much was it? Six deaths? And it's uh, without six deaths, that's a dull affair. Yeah, in the case of the wood elves, if it's not six hunts in a day, then it's a dull affair. <laughs> okay, remind me to just stick to rock and stone to the bone, my friend. Anyways, well, let's come on down to the tavern basement to so that way I can show you this warp portal that uh, Mag- that uh, Magnus the Rad had built for us, and I'm hearing something. What is going on? And that, that sounds like XO. What the fuck is he doing in our basement? And holy shit! You can't slap me doing in our basement. Guys, well, stop fighting! Slap me doing in our basement. 
Well, yeah, it's all yeah. on. No, 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 get away from the wall. No, no, no. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, you fuck off. No, no, no. Run, run, run. Welcome back to the next shit. I already fucked this up. <laughs> <laughs> You're not very good at Canadian accent there, bud. No, That's I guess not. appropriation. Oh, well, shit. I guess we're now going to get demonetized there, eh? Gotta have a talk with, uh, gotta go have a talk with, uh, the, the old ones there, bud. They're, uh, their toots and their, their, uh, hooky sticks and their timbits. Oh, good oh, fuck them. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or. Wait a second. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome back, dear listeners, to the next episode of <laughs> Damn it. Fucking hate this. No, this is all staying in. This is all fucking staying in. Oh, don't worry. This is all going to be outtakes. <laughs> I don't fucking like, care. This is all staying in. Okay. More like good eye cunts to die on Grimlow. <laughs> Honestly, that wasn't that bad. Billy the Butcher? I didn't know he was here. <laughs> <laughs> you can afford him. <laughs> welcome back to this. Welcome back to your country. We can afford Carl Urban. Oh no, there goes all our Patreon money. <laughs> oh, all of our Patreon money and our and our firstborn children. That's fine. We got it. You, you got you got off brand Carlos uh, Rural. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just pay him to come in and say cunt, and then he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, there, and just, there went all of our editing budget. <laughs> best thirty five hundred dollars I've ever spent. Thirty five hundred. I mean, it's like that that's one a, guy who spent the fucking fifty uh, k on has been hotel uh, animations. Listen, oh. bro was down horrendous. Joe, we're both saying it. Don't you dare fucking cut this out. I will rage quit. <laughs> oh man. Okay. <sighs> All right, we got the giggles out of us now. <laughs> nope, <laughs> I just smoked. I am good. <laughs> All right, well we're gonna tr- we're gonna power on through anyways. Here we go. Welcome back, dear listeners, to the next episode of Grim Law Law Podcast for all your Warhammer fantasy and Age of Sigmar needs. <laughs> God bless it. Damn it. Okay. <sighs> How would you visit the Southlands there, Gerald? <sighs> okay, we're gonna do this again. <laughs> Welcome oh, sorry, to the I underways. Okay. All right. Right. Got this. Australian accent. Here we go. Welcome back, dear listeners, to the next episode of Grim Lord, the law podcast for all your Warhammer fantasy and Age of Sigmar needs. This is your dwarven host and temporary bartender, Gerald, here to learn about the wonderful world of Warhammer fantasy with my el- my friend and co-host and the elven bard, Rayway. Uh, Uthwan doesn't really have an accent, but if I was going to say they had one, I would say the bitch accent because <laughs> they're a bunch of bitches. Oh my, what does that sound like? Um, well, it sounds like my voice for one. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is use a basic bitch. Oh, please, girl. You haven't even seen my Starbucks espresso mocha latte extra venti uh, whip topping. <laughs> it's called culture, sweetie. <laughs> It's got culture, sweetie. Go get your own. You ain't got no Phoenix King, ho. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You discovered it real so bad. Okay. 
You ain't no Phoenix King. Have you seen that drip? You ain't got none. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna die. Oh damn it. Okay. Okay. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh. All right. One more time. Once more with feeling. Oh, okay. no, no Aussie oh, God, no. No Aussie okay. accent. I feel like time. the accent throws us all off. No accent this time. Okay. Again, this is all staying in, I swear to God. It's staying in. So We're gonna good do, not to... We'll have an outtakes. Okay, good. Let's okay. do this. Okay. With chest. Oh, I think he's asleep. Uh, it, I don't want to wake up. I don't want to be taken as an undead <laughs> turd. <laughs> yes, Lord Sultan Citrus. <laughs> Great. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is great. Welcome with a stick. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, Admiral. Oh, Admiral. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I think it's okay. Okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe turn his volume down a little bit. All right. Hello? Yes, hello. Okay. Hello. This is going in the outtakes. Okay. Okay. <laughs>